Hello beautiful humans, this is Alicia from Ethical Wellness Programs and you are listening to the Heal in Motherhood podcast, the show that combines the science of the mind-body connection and trauma research along with spiritual teachings and practical tools to help women heal their lives from the inside out and reclaim their inner goddess while showing up as the person, parent and partner they came here to be. If you like what you hear on today's show, please don't forget to leave us a review on the iTunes podcast app so that we can grow our community and impact as many women's lives as possible. Hello everyone, welcome and thank you for being here. Today we have got Kristen on the show and I'm so excited to speak with Kristen. She is the founder of New Mummy Guru and a certified family nurse. She has over 17 years worth of experience working in the neonatal unit and newborn medicine. She specializes in the first month of life, but also has expertise in pregnancy, labor, breastfeeding, and the first year of life. And she loves to help pregnant women prepare for their newborns so they can confidently master new motherhood. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, Alicia. I appreciate you having me on your wonderful podcast today, allowing me to share a message and be a part of what you're doing. It's so wonderful what you're doing for women and mothers today. So thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So you love to work with mothers in that really sort of fresh, new beginning of the motherhood, you know, where a lot of the mess is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and what inspired you to really go into that side of the business and support mums in that early part of their journey? Yes, right. So I am a nurse practitioner and I've been doing neonatal medicine for 17 years, which is really the medicine of sick infants. And through my job, I also take care of babies in the well baby nursery. So many neonatal nurse practitioners or doctors or or pediatricians do both within a hospital space. And through my work with the well baby mothers and also my NICU mothers, but I really noticed a need in my well baby mothers, especially my first time mothers for a sense of more preparedness into becoming a mother and transitioning into that role. Not only in the first couple of days, but also in the first trimester, which is considered the first three months after the baby's born. And in my work with them, I typically see them in the hospital after they've given birth. They're dealing with some of their own postpartum body issues with pain and breastfeeding and lactation. They're also dealing with their partner adjusting to becoming a family unit and trying to find his or her role in helping out the mother and bonding with the baby. Many times that partner doesn't get a strong bond until after the baby's actually there. Yet the baby also needs to spend so much time with mommy breastfeeding and bonding that the partner needs to have their time to bond too. Mm -hmm. So they're figuring it out. And the baby's also figuring out life, figuring out how to adjust to extra uterine life, how to breastfeed, 
how to communicate with mom. And there's so much going on and so many changes in these very first really couple of days, but even the first month, it's such a transition that I find in the hospital, so many brand new moms just haven't been prepared for it, even with their birthing classes that they may be taking, breastfeeding classes, Lamaze classes, or the classes the hospitals put on. They're getting some information, but it just doesn't seem to be preparing them properly for what they're about to go through. And it's such a shock sometimes that I found that there are a list of things they can do before they ever arrive to the hospital that can really help them transition into that motherhood role and into that family unit role a little bit more seamlessly or less painful, if that makes sense. Sure, anybody can transition, but it can be really, really messy. If you want to do it with a little bit more ease, make it a little bit more fun and a little bit more graceful, I have found a a whole program of things that women can do to really prepare them for that role and help them feel like they're thriving and not just surviving. So it's my work with them in the hospital and the questions that they have that I continuously find myself answering, yet I only have 20 minutes with them in the hospital. That's it before I have to move on to my next patient. And I find that it's just not enough time to spend with them. And it's almost too late for some of the things. It's like, I wish I met them before they came to the hospital because I would have told them to do these things and have these conversations as a couple and prepare these spaces in their home and do a list of things in order for them to not find themselves in front of me going, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to do this. I don't know how to transition into this. So that's how I ended up where I'm at today. I still see my patients in the hospital. I still fill that role, but it prompted me and inspired me to create a better pregnancy course. And and it's really to be done in pregnancy to prepare you for that fourth trimester and that postpartum life. I kind of think of it Instead of the birth plan, it's the post-birth plan. Oh, I love that. So it's a plan that you make for yourself after. Yeah. Yeah, because we get so focused on the birth and, you know, it is really important. And we get so focused on that, that we actually forget about the transition into motherhood after and beyond. And we're not given that much information about what's going to happen with our hormones, what's going to happen with our body physically, even like cramps, post-birth contractions. I didn't know that they existed and (laughs) no one ever told me about them. So when I started having these cramps in the middle of the night when I was breastfeeding, I was in so much pain and I was like, what is going on? Like, is something's happening? You know, what's happening to me? And I'm ringing the buzzer because I stayed in the hospital for a few days with my first child. And then the midwife was like, oh, that's just normal. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting to know that now. And I suppose a lot of it, there's only so much you can learn before, but um, there are certain things. And like you said, certain conversations, especially preparing the mother and the partner for the journey and how that is going to change and develop and how can the partner support 
the mother on that yeah. journey into motherhood and they're both going through a lot of transitions and also you know like you said the baby's also there and the baby's learning so it's a massive life-changing experience and it's a massive learning for everybody and I am all for getting all the support that you can because there's so many things that crop up and you feel alone because you don't know who to ask and you start to think oh am I doing something wrong or is it only me or you know you start to have all of these questions and I feel like what you're offering is so needed so how important is it for mums do you think to prepare for motherhood so much here so first of all I want to touch on some of the things you just mentioned one being you know some of the things we don't know we're not prepared for right so we definitely can do as much teaching and preparation as possible I think a lot of that teaching and prep is better done before the baby comes because it's so hard for moms to absorb that after the baby's there they're sleep deprived They're trying to figure out the baby's schedule and breastfeeding or bottle feeding, whichever they're doing, going perfectly. Moms are too tired to absorb some of this information. A lot of it is better off absorbed and learned in pregnancy before they become the mother so that they can better prepare for that. And then what mothers really need is a lot of reassurance. And that's something else you were mentioning that your midwife gave you. And part of my program is after the baby is born, to help mom with some one-to-one conversations through Zoom calls and give her a lot of that reassurance because many of the things moms are panicking about really are normal and they just need that reassurance to know that it's normal and feel comfortable with that and able to move on with her day. She doesn't need to go to the ER or make a pediatrician appointment. She can just call me up. We can have a little visit, a little chat. That's part of my course. And I can give her that reassurance that she may need. Also, I have a Facebook group that's managed by me so that I can be sure that there's no medical misinformation on there whatsoever. I do find that moms tend to take a lot of information and a lot of advice from moms groups on Facebook, which mean well, many of them want to help, but so many of them are filled with so much misinformation and sometimes dangerous information. And I find as a provider, it's very scary how often mothers will take the advice of other mothers who are not medical professionals and may not be the best people to be giving that advice. So I formed a Facebook group that is full of mothers where mothers can support and help each other throughout this time, but it's moderated by me and I can make sure that there's no medical and misinformation. I can delete those comments or correct the information with literature and evidence-based practice. So part of what I do is education beforehand, support afterwards, making sure all the information that they're receiving is from a reputable source, because that is something that moms are really anxious about. As far as the importance of being prepared before, I think this is, I'm on the cusp of something that's about to come. We've always had birthing classes, but like you said, they very much focus on the actual labor and delivery part. And while that's incredibly important, many women go into that with a lot of misconceptions on what's going to happen. And they make their own plan on what they want to happen. And it's hard for them to process that the baby sometimes comes with their own plan. And it's rarely, rarely, rarely ever turns out the way a mom actually envisions it. 
And so sometimes these birthing prep courses can give moms not like false hope, but just a lot of misconceptions that they have a ton of control. It's hard for women like us, maybe working women, type A women, women who really want to have everything the way we want it, all tied up with a bow, very type A, everything planned out and throw a birth in there. And that just throws us for a loop because we realize very quickly, we don't have control over that. So I do teach about birth preferences, not necessarily having a birth plan. We should have, be educated about our birth decisions, understand all the options that are out there for us and how to advocate for ourselves, but also how to find trusted medical providers that you can have a, ser- a conversation with so that if it doesn't go to plan or you have to change what you want it to happen, you can do that in a trusting way with your provider and not feel like you go through birth trauma. Mm. I think a lot of birth trauma comes from women who have a misconception that their birth is totally in their control. There are some things that you can make choices of and advocate for yourself. But it will be one of the first times in many of our lives that we truly, really aren't 100% in control of what's going to happen. We can control our reactions. We can have ideas or preferences in a direction we want to go. But many times the control is out of our hands. And the back end of that, women suffer from a lot of trauma from that. And it's very hard for them to let go that it didn't go the way that they thought it would in their minds. And they feel like a failure Mm. if they ended up with a C-section, if they decided to go for the epidural when they originally said they weren't going to. All of these decisions get made in a split second, and it can give a woman some long-time birth trauma. So a lot of my course is centered around birth preferences and allowing yourself to surround yourself with a trusted team. So that maybe when the birth doesn't go to your preference, you're able to release a little bit of that control and let trust take over. And on the back end of things, enjoy your birth, even though it didn't go the way you thought it might. And it may help. My goal eventually is to help reduce postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum trauma. And at the very least, some of my teaching, hopefully to allow women to recognize those things in themselves when they're having them, postpartum depression, anxiety, and trauma, so that they can get themselves the treatment that they need. And part of my course is also coming up with a plan for that. So should it happen to them, they have a plan all in place. All they have to do is activate it and they're ready to go. So many women who suffer with some of those issues after birth take a long time to seek care because they don't know how, they don't know who to ask, they don't recognize the symptoms in themselves. Many times their partners recognize it in them, but don't know how to communicate that to the mom in a non-judgmental way in order to help them get help. And so my course helps partners recognize these symptoms of postpartum depression and anxiety and also teaches their partner how to have this conversation with mom and how to support mom, all the right things to say, all the right things to do, and don't do any of the wrong things that will actually cause her to have more anxiety and depression. Uh, Because I think a good team and a good family unit with great conversation and preparatory work and a plan in place is going to be really big key in mental health of mom. And helping them recover from those illnesses if they have them, because they're really common. 
one in every, I think it's seven or eight. It's one of those numbers. I think it's one in every seven pregnant women will suffer from postpartum depression. That's a lot of women. I mean, if you think of seven moms that you know, one of them suffered from postpartum depression. So it's so common, you know? Mm. And I think that to improve our mothering experience and improve that first year of mothering and all the transitions that we go through, if you happen to be that one in seven, I think it's really great to have a plan in place and a conversation ahead of time with your partner about what you would do as a family unit if mom were to have something like that. Um, how you know your plan in place, how to get help, who your doctor would be, what medications you'd be comfortable taking, what modalities of treatment you would be willing to try, how you would find the time to do that while you're feeding and taking care of a baby, what support system do you have around you? So my course has so many units involved. That's just one of them. The postpartum depression and postpartum mental illness is one unit that we work on. And that is a big component of why I think we need something like this for moms before they give birth. And it's something that we don't really have. A lot of this element does not exist in current birthing classes, doesn't exist in a Lamaze class. They rarely mention it, if anything, in a breastfeeding class. Right. So I think that mental health. I think you just get that little, that little form of like, you know. Yeah. How are you feeling? I remember going to the the nurse after having bubs and it's like they're trying to look for signs of depression or motherhood blues or whatever it may be. And I do feel like a lot of mothers do go through that as part of the transition right because becoming a mother isn't as easy and natural and maternal and instinctual as we've been led to believe it is and then we start to question ourselves because you know we don't have the support and the answers to these questions that we're looking for and then we're so isolated as well on top of that that we can fall into this, it's very easy to fall into this depressive state. And it's easy to go and tick on the forms to say, oh, yeah, that's okay. Because I think a lot of us, we're not recognizing, as you said, we're not recognizing that within ourselves, you know, we know that we don't feel joyful and we are feeling tired and we're overwhelmed and we've constantly got this baby on us and we feel like we should be grateful and we feel like we should be happy and it's just like a massive messy cycle of all of these things and if we were given these spaces more spaces to actually be able to talk about motherhood and the transition and I don't know if you've heard of matrescence but matrescence really explains all of this really beautifully and a lot of women are getting diagnosed with depression when they're they're not depressed, you know, and they're being put on medication. Because in the Western world, we don't seem to have really grasped this concept of like the transition of what motherhood entails. So therefore, we're just saying there's something wrong with you. We're going to give you some pills, make you feel a little bit better. You'll be on your way. Tick the boxes. Yeah. And off we go. And actually, no, a lot of these things and what you're feeling is normal. 
it's part of the journey. So how do we start to see those signs within ourselves of whether we've got, you know, depression or whether it's part of that motherhood journey? Great question. I am familiar with matrescence and it is important distinction to make when talking about becoming a mother and the transition and differentiating between the normal ups and downs of becoming a mom, hormonal changes, you know, from one moment to the next, you may feel so joyful to have this baby. And another thing, just he's always on me and I don't ever have my hands to myself. I can't even wash a dish and it's stressful and it's different. I think a big thing with that is recognizing, do you sense joy? Do you have those moments of joy? Do you have those ups? Many times women who are suffering from postpartum anxiety and depression find that the downs become a lot more time that they're in rather than the ups. They're seeing more the negative rather than the positive. Sometimes some of the symptoms are similar, but you're also looking for a length of time. So there's also postpartum blues. I kind of associate matrescence with the postpartum blues, Mm. which are usually the first month of life or so. And you have so many hormonal changes. You're learning how to breastfeed. You're dealing with your postpartum body. Um, You're getting to know your baby. And there are a lot of ups. And as you just cry at the drop of a hat, and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know why I'm crying. (laughs) Those mood swings are very much postpartum blues. What Mm. differentiates those and with matrescence and with those two and postpartum depression is usually length of time. If you're getting out to four to six weeks and you're still having these crazy mood swings or you're feeling more down than you're feeling up, um, it's possible that you have postpartum depression. So a lot of it is length of time. So as far as seeking help, I would say if you're feeling down, you know, and it's only been week two, probably not time to run to a psychiatrist unless you're having some strong symptoms of feeling like you want to hurt yourself or your baby or anything really negative like that. But if it's typical ups and downs, mood swings, outbursts, some crying, but some, but you're having great parts of the day too. It's likely matrescence, postpartum blues, and usually those transition out. If you get to a month or beyond and you're still suffering with some of these symptoms, it's possible that you may have some postpartum depression or anxiety depending on your symptoms. And it's good to talk to somebody. But many times our postpartum visit with our OB or a midwife isn't until six weeks out. And you mentioned the little scale that you do where they try to figure out if you have depression. It's called the Edinburgh scale, or at least mm. that's what we use in the States. I'm assuming you use the same one. And we usually give it to our moms before they leave the hospital. But this is very interesting because moms sometimes get discharged from the hospital at 24 hours of age, 24 hours postpartum in our country these days, especially since COVID. If they had a vaginal delivery, they can stay up to 48 hours. And if they had a C-section, they could stay up to 72 hours. And we're giving them this scale. It's 10 questions. And based on their answers, we give them a rating and it tells us if they're at risk of postpartum depression. However, it's interesting because the timing we give this is usually very early. And many times women will not have real postpartum depression until about, you know, six weeks of, of age. And so of the baby's age. So I think it's really important to continue using that throughout the time. Make sure your OB or midwife is also administering that at your six-month visit to make sure it's not a big difference in the number 
And it's probably more accurate to giving a better postpartum picture at the six weeks than it is right when you go home from the hospital. We do it because it's better for the baby to have an idea of what your baseline is. But typically, if you're suffering from something, it's going to be, you know, about six weeks on that you really need to seek help from a professional at that time. But yeah, I wouldn't run for a script at two weeks. It's most likely matrescence or postpartum blues. And usually those get better and resolve on their own for sure. But if you're worried, concerned, or nervous, you know, you should definitely reach out to your provider. But during these times, if it's typical postpartum blues, it really does help to have support from your partner, but also the family around you. Mm. I have noticed over the years, maternal support has waned, meaning Back in the day, women used to have their mothers living next door and their sisters living at the house next to them. And their aunt lives across the street and everybody comes together and everybody helps with the baby. Mm. In today's world, people live very far away from each other. And while you might have the luxury of having a family member be nearby or a mother come and stay with you for a couple of weeks, it's usually right about the time that you are just trying to figure things out that they leave you. And go, or you don't have the luxury of having anyone come to stay with you, which can be even more complicated if you have other children to take care of. And so the support ha- isn't just there for women like it once was among a community and among families who just live far away. So a lot of my course is also identifying who your support system is. Even if mm. it's not your mother or sister, it could be your neighbor, Someone you trust who lives next door that can maybe take your other children for a few hours for you and give you a nap. It could be your church, the people who are in your church that might be able to make you a couple of meals so that you don't have to cook for your family a couple of nights. And many times people today don't want to ask for help, especially women, new moms. We want to make that appearance that we can do it all. We don't need the help. We don't want to give up the appearance that anything might be wrong or that we can't handle it. And so it's very hard for us as new moms to ask for help or even accept it when it's offered. Mm. And so I do teach moms to identify your support system. And we do have forms and ways that they reach out to the support system before they even have the baby and identify ways with those people that they can help them and identify communication systems, how they can communicate their needs to this support system so that when they need it, they don't have to feel like there's something wrong by asking for it. So a lot of that is comes from communication, identification, and conversations before the baby's even here. It's key. And with partners, we Mm. also use a code word. So, you know, when when we're new moms, we're so tired, uh, but we don't want to say, I just, you know, I need a break or I just need a nap. We just want to keep going. We keep pushing through. And sometimes that makes us more time, right? We just push through. We do want to to say that we need a break, but we say it in a really defensive way. Like, yeah, it starts to come out as resentment or it starts to come out in a more negative conversation of like, well, I'm doing this and you're only, it becomes like you're doing only this and I'm doing all of this. And it becomes more of a like fight instead of a collaboration. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love how you speak about that. Yeah, exactly that. So I teach my couples to Come up with a code word, different code words for certain things. So when mom realizes that she just needs an hour nap, 
you're going to have a cold word with your partner for that. So you don't have to say, I need a nap because that makes you feel tired and unworthy and unable to take care of your baby. You don't have to say, I'm tired. I need a nap. You can just say strawberry or whatever your code word is. (laughs) It makes it fun. It makes your partner able to snap into attention like, oh, she's really telling me she needs this. I can do that for her. I will step in and do that for her. But many times, you know, they'll say to us, you look really tired. You want to nap? I look really tired. Then we get mad because we look really (laughs) bad and no, we're fine. We don't need a nap. And it turns into this big power struggle. And, and so it's hard for us to ask for and receive that help. And a big part of that is just how we communicate as a mom and how we lean on our, our, our support system. So a huge part in, I think, making the transition into motherhood easier, more fun, a pleasant experience comes from learning how to lean on that support system. And it's not all on us. As a mom, we do feel that way because we birthed that baby. We're feeding that baby. We want to change that baby, but we also have to learn to release a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. the partner does not have to dress the baby in the outfit that we want them dressed in that day. And they don't have to fold the diaper exactly the way we fold it. And so we also have to learn that when we do release that to our support system, we have to do that with trust, trust that they are going to take just fine care of that baby. And it might be in a little bit different way than we do it, but the baby will still be fine, healthy and fed. And it's our time to rest and not worry about some of those details that really don't matter that much. And let your partner Mm. learn that. If you found that there's a better way to fold the diaper to prevent leaks and they're not doing it that way, they're going to figure that out on their own. And that Mm. will be their own lessons to learn as a parent in a way. Sometimes when we push that on our our partners, they feel inadequate, like, oh, they don't think I can do it. And, you know, they start to pull back in helping because they don't want to help wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do want to help, but they don't want to upset you by helping. And so it, it becomes another type of power struggle, one that can be avoided with really good communication. I do worksheets and partner communication, things like that ahead of time. Many of that can be prevented um, by having these conversations at a time and then recognizing these things, these things that we're doing as a mom, these ways that we're communicating and try to do it a little bit better. These are things that are just not taught in prenatal classes. I really feel like they really help with that transition, not just into motherhood, but also into becoming a family unit, whatever your family looks like. So. Yeah, it sounds to me like it extends way beyond that first month. And I love yeah. Yeah. how you're bringing that. I, I feel like that is so important. And if I'd have known that this was available before I had my children, um, I definitely would be taking this up. So if you're a pregnant mother right now, I'm doing a shout out. <laughs> Get on this Mastering Motherhood program because you don't think that these things are a big deal, but these are the things that make or break. And they say that the highest rate of couples splitting up is in with that first year of motherhood, that first year of parenting together. And a lot of the time it is because of this power struggle. And like you said, it comes back to our communication, which comes back to our wounding and our, and going back to what I teach, which is all to do with healing. 
becoming a mother is going to get you to heal. And if you don't, then your relationships will suffer because you don't know how to communicate your needs. Because a lot of us don't think we have needs, right? And we're not always aware of what our needs are. So having these conversations before, I can only imagine how beneficial that would be. And I'm thinking of like a friend and her partner and how the power struggle was real and exactly what you said. He didn't want to help because he was worried about helping wrong. And wrong way. It's all you don't even realize (laughs) your brain changes when you become a mother and things that you didn't think you would be like, you are like. I always thought I wouldn't have mum guilt and mum anxiety. And I used to think it was a bit over the top. And then I became a mum and I was like, I am so anxious. And I went through a phase for probably the first eight or nine months where I could not switch off. I was so anxious about everything. And um, that is so not like me. And it was so like scary in a way because I was like, what, who am I? What is this? Our children feel that from us too. When we go through things like that, it Mm. does seep out onto them Mm. and we do see them make different decisions or act differently. And they respond to our mom anxiety. I do see that. So I also, Leisha, had suffered from postpartum depression after the birth of my second son. And then, and I, I didn't recognize it in myself. I'm a medical provider trained to diagnose postpartum depression. I know all the signs and symptoms. And what we do as a mom, I, I recognize this as a provider and as a person who suffered from, and I was able to put it together. And I realized that women don't want anyone to feel like something is wrong. And so Mm. we normalize the postpartum symptoms that we're having. We say, oh, it's fine. It's going to be better tomorrow. Or it's just hormones. It's going to be better. It's my sleeplessness. It's because I'm breastfeeding. I'm getting woken up so much. It'll get better. We keep normalizing it in our heads and pushing it off Mm. and pushing on, pushing it off. It's hard for us to take that look from the outside in because it's going on so crazy in our heads and we just kind of normalize it. But it's definitely, I also suffered from postpartum anxiety, intrapartum anxiety, because I was pregnant during the pandemic. I actually got COVID during my third pregnancy in March of 2020, when we knew nothing about how COVID affected pregnant women. And I caught COVID at work, which gave me a huge amount of anxiety um, during that pregnancy. And it actually had me suffer from post um, PTSD after the birth of that child just from going through all that stress during the pandemic of being pregnant. You know, some I was, I treated the depression medicinally. I treated the anxiety and PTSD with therapy. I also use a lot of non-medicinal treatment modalities. And through all of these things, I have come up with a, a systematic plan where some things work for some people and some things work better for other people. But there's a lot of things like a menu you can kind of pick and choose from on what you would like to use, because there's a lot of things you can do that are not medicine or starting a medication that can help you through these things. And so that's, that's one of the things too, is we come up with a plan of what moms are comfortable with. And we make sure that they have those things in their home. So if they're choosing music therapy, that they have a playlist already. If they're choosing aromatherapy to help them, that they have the oils chosen and the aromatherapy ready to go, 
They know what they would put on if they're in a mood like that. So there's all kinds of things we do and we get it all ready to go. So if they need it, they don't have to take time finding it, buying it, ordering it. It's all ready. They have a kit ready to go for postpartum depression, anxiety, and they can just implement some of those treatments and see how they're working for them. Because many times if we do get treatment, it could take us six weeks or two months to get in to see a provider. Yeah, That's a really long time when someone is needing help like that. So I don't know about your country, but our country can take up to months for a woman to recognize she has it and then get an appointment the next day. It can take weeks and sometimes two months to get an appointment. That's a long time for a woman who's suffering to not be treating herself. So we employ non-medicinal treatments while they're waiting for that appointment, while they're waiting for that therapy. Sometimes by that point, they may be feeling better. They might not want to start medication. And so that's kind of what, what I you know aim to do for women and to help them. There's just not enough help out there for moms. There's just not enough help out there for us postpartum and just not enough preparation for us into this transition. So. Yeah, I love that. And I think what you're offering is so needed and women need (laughs) the support and it doesn't have to feel so heavy and hard and taking these little steps before can really make a really big difference. Even it's just so many things that we don't think about because a lot of the time what we do is we wait till we've gone through something to then find our solution. And this is like becoming more of preventing and you can still use these things even if you don't get depression. You can still use these things of self-care to care for yourself through the motherhood journey because it's not only women that get depression that are sort of suffering you know it's still a big transition whether you get depression or not so having these things in place like you said and knowing having doing even just knowing about music therapy and how it can help you um I see so many women on mums groups that are suffering um needlessly you know there is things out there little simple self-care things that we can all do so it's really um, acknowledging that before and also having your partner as another thing that I love that you do is having the partner be part of that because it's hard for them too you know they are not carrying the baby they don't get all that connection and all that bonding and all that breastfeeding time and all that lovely energy going on you know so for them it can feel really isolating in that way as well it's like oh we're just going out to work and we're not really part of it and we can't even change diaper properly you know so it's (laughs) also you're supporting them as well it's not just about the mum it's like correct my course is called mastering motherhood because that is who I aim to help and who my main person is however There's a lot to becoming a mother. You've got the baby, you've got the partner, you've got the support system. It's more than just the mom that I help. Mm. Um, But yes, it's called mastering motherhood, but you all, it is really helping a family unit out. And yes, the poor fathers, you know, when they go through a whole different experience than we do, Mm. you're right. It's very difficult for them to bond with the baby until they actually meet the baby. So their connection time comes then, but that's a lot of times when mom's working on breastfeeding, they don't always get as much time 
with the baby and they're not sure how to handle it. They're a little bit unsure as it is. And it only takes a couple of comments from mom to make them feel like they really can't do it at all. <laughs> and then moms feel like they're not helping at all and they don't know what the right thing is to do. Many times it really just does come to mm. communication and then mom also making dad a part of something. And many times um, with my patients, I give dad a job. First of all, his main job is to make sure when mom is learning how to breastfeed, every time she breastfeeds the baby, he needs to be making sure she's drinking at least eight ounces of water. Bring her a cup of water. Bring her whatever it is that she needs to drink. You know, support her in that way. That's your part of breastfeeding is you're helping mom nourish herself and rehydrate herself so she can make milk for the baby. If you're not providing that water for her, she can't make milk for the baby. And you're kind of part of that assembly line of breastfeeding. And so that's your first job as a dad. And that's how you're going to help with breastfeeding. Because many times dads don't get a chance to feed a bottle yet. Their milk production isn't there yet enough to make bottles. And some moms and dads are bottle feeding. So we do go over that too as a plan. Whatever your feeding plan is, we support. Obviously, you know, we know the literature about breastfeeding. But in my world, we have no mom guilt here. We feed babies. However, babies need to be fed best for mom's mental health, for mom's body comfort, and for baby to stay healthy, hydrated, and gain weight. That looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different family units. Mm. In some cases, that's exclusively breastfeeding. In other cases, it's exclusively formula feeding. And in many cases, it's a combination of the two all mixed in. And so I do not teach one way is best. I teach that, you know, we look into so many factors and what mom's comfortable with, what her goals are, how we're going to help her with that, and how we're going to make dad a part of that, even if it's exclusive breastfeeding. So, and that's just feeding. I mean, we have other ways that we help dad bond and, you know, them communicate, but uh, the part, and I, I'm saying dads, but I mean partners whatever your family unit looks like, you know, we help moms and their partners, you know, transition into those roles in a beautiful way, in a cohesive way, and as as a together way and not going parallel with their own journeys, they need to go together through those journeys. So yeah, and that is just, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just magic there. And Thank you so much for offering this to women. And again, I'm just going to do another shout out. If you're pregnant, (laughs) please check out this course because it's so bloody important. So I'd kind of like to finish with the question, what's your biggest lesson from motherhood or from being becoming a parent? What's been one of your biggest lessons? My biggest lesson is to carry with you what you've learned from the time before. So I'm a mom of three, you know, your first time around, you can, you know, read books about something, but you're really learning it in the moment as you go. There is no wrong thing, you know, try different things until you find out what the combination is right for you. And I'm not just talking about breastfeeding. I'm talking about mothering in general. There's a lot of different ways to mother a child. And what might have worked for your neighbor, what might have worked for your pediatrician, what might have worked for me and what I'm telling you in my course, all of these things may sound great, but they may not work for you. So I teach my patients, my clients to listen to all the information you're getting around you, not just the internet, listen to aunties and grandmas and pediatricians and lactation consultants and take the information and create your own combination of motherhood that works for you. Don't put 
uh, pressure on yourself to make someone else's journey yours because there is no identical walk through motherhood that is the same for each person. And it's also not the same for yourself when you become a mother of another child. Mm-hmm. You will take with what with you what you learned that first time around, but it's a whole other ball game and you're somewhat gonna have to start all over again. Take what you've learned, find some new information that you might need in order to move forward in that motherhood journey gracefully in a way that, you know, everything is going well and you feel confident and comfortable. What I find is so many women take what other people are saying worked for them and then they get upset when it doesn't work for them. You know, what, what works for somebody else doesn't work for them. They feel like a failure. They feel like they're doing something wrong. And really there's just so many facets and so many moving parts to becoming a mother and taking care of an infant that mm. you need to find your own recipe for doing that. And you take it from all the different parts you hear. And you just trial and error until you find what works right. Release the mom guilt <laughs> and get off Facebook groups that have it because it's not good mm. for your psyche and for your healing and for the matrescence that you're going through and your transitional role that you're going through. Anybody who's going to mom guilt you in anything. And that's just something that we don't do in my book. It's all about teaching, learning, supporting, trying new things and finding a combination. So I love that finding your own recipe for <laughs> yeah. what works for you. And that really sums yeah. up motherhood, doesn't it? Because <laughs> it sure there does. is so much information out there. And almost I feel like we now get overwhelmed with information right. that we can't possibly do it right or the perfect way in, you know, quote unquote right. there. Because there's just so many different ideas and you just have to tap in to find what works for you and do that. And yeah, let go of that people pleasing and perfectionism and really tune into your own heart. So yeah. So how can people find out more about you and your course? How can they connect with you? What's the best way to connect with you? The best way to connect with me is to go to my website, which is www.newmommyguru.com slash apply. So if you'd like more information, you can, if you go to that website with the slash apply, you can schedule a free 30 minute consultation with me where we will discuss some of your anxieties, some of the things you're, you're hoping to accomplish in your pregnancy, in your labor, and in your mothering journey. And we can decide together if my course is right for you. And if it's not, I will lead you in the direction of resources that will be helpful for you. So it's www.newmommyguru.com slash apply to schedule that free appointment with me. So I hope I would love to, to hear from some of your listeners. That would be awesome. Awesome. Oh, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And I think there's so much we could unpack there. Um, <laughs> I know. Yes. Oh, well, have me back again someday. Yeah. Okay. Put me on your list Let- in the future because I would love to come back again yes. with you. This has been so much fun. Yes. Thank you so much for this. Yes, I enjoyed it. Let's do that. That's it. It doesn't have to just be a one time thing. And um, <laughs> yeah. So everybody, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for listening. And we would love to know your biggest takeaways from today's show. So please reach out and let us know 
what resonated with you the most or what you felt was most important for you um, listening to this podcast. And thank you for sharing this time and space with us. And namaste. And we'll see you again next week. Namaste. Bye. Thank you so much.